Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. There's about seven and a half billion people in the world. And what I don't think any of us need is another opinion. I think we all need wisdom and more of it. So I'm really glad to welcome Dan Britton to the show. He uh, co-wrote a book with Ron Forseth, and the book is called The Wisdom Challenge, Life-Changing Principles and Lessons from Proverbs and the Life of King Solomon. Dan uh, serves as the chief field officer with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. He's written a number of books, and I'm awfully glad to be having him on the show. Dan, welcome. Thanks, Bill. Great to be on the show with you. Thanks. Here's my three favorite Proverbs, and I I refer to them regularly. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool delights in airing his own opinions. Proverbs 15.5 says, A fool hates correction. And Proverbs 12.15 says, The fool thinks he's right all the time. (laughs) (laughs) They're, they're kind of companions, all three of those verses. Yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's quite the, the package of verses. Yeah, wow. Well, I think we all gravitate towards certain Proverbs that we love and appreciate more than others. I, 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 I agree completely. So I love this book that you wrote with Ron. Okay, who worked harder, you or Ron? Uh, since he's not on? Yeah. Ron works harder. How about that? <laughs> I didn't see that answer coming, but wait to go. I know, yeah. I know, I know. I'm just yeah. trying to live out wisdom, trying to live out wisdom. <laughs> so. <laughs> I like you already, Dan. Let's talk about just why you decided to write this book, why you and Ron said, let's write a book on the life of Solomon and the teaching of Proverbs. Well, Bill, it, it, it was a broken plight. You know, I, I think as I've grown in my faith over the years, some 54 came to Christ at age eight, been walking with Jesus for 45 years, and the more that I see, God loves broken plays, right? Things that weren't planned, they weren't supposed to happen. The wisdom challenge was not supposed to happen. So Ron and I are 20-plus-year are friends. We, we've known each other for a long time. He was with an organization. I was with FCA. I've been with FCA for over 30 years. And, and we went, man, our two ministries, our two organizations could work together and do amazing things. That's partners. So we met probably a half dozen times strategized, came up with things, and Bill, guess what? Nothing happened. <laughs> like it was it was a belly flop. It yeah. was a stone balloon. It was it was crazy. It was like thing like both of us were like, this is the easiest partnership in the world. And it didn't happen. But guess what got it intended? A friendship. So out from this like trying to make things happen, the broken play was Ron and I became buddies. We became friends. We became best friends. And God allowed us to continue to connect together. And so just quickly, Bill, uh, I just want to share with you that in 2012, Ron called me up in the spring of 2012. He says, hey, Dan, he says, man, I, my faith has been really, I've been a rocky kind of just dry season. Last month, God led me to the Proverbs. I read through Proverbs. And man, my heart just is just exploding with just passion for Jesus. So I'm like, I'm like, Ron, like, that's awesome. I've been doing that for 20 years, been reading through Proverbs, a proverb a day keeps Satan away, you know, 31 Proverbs, we got it. And he's like, no, 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 I want to do next month Proverbs with you. I'm like, 
okay, what, like, read it together? And he goes, no, no, no. You read it, I read it, we go through it together, and then we share with each other through a text or a phone call or email just what God revealed to us. I'm like, well, that sounds simple enough. He goes, yeah, I call this the wisdom challenge. Let's challenge each other in wisdom. From the first of the, uh, the month, we're going to go through Proverbs 1. So, Bill, I read through Proverbs 1. I texted him, hey, God revealed this verse to me, man, planted by the streams. Gosh, you know, we got to be plugged into the source. He sent back another verse. I was like, man, that's great. We're texting back and forth. We're sharpening each other. I could not wait, Bill, for the next morning to see what God laid on his heart. Was it the same verse that God put on my heart? Was it a different verse? And 10 days into it, I just felt like it was a double blessing. Mm-hmm. Not only was I experiencing God's word, but but Ron was filling me up with how God was meeting Jesus every day. And we did it for 31 days, and that was the wisdom challenge. That That's how it started. I love the accountability uh, element, Dan, as well. This is very cool that you guys were looking forward to every day seeing what wisdom was going to come from each other. Yes, and and that is a key component. Is uh, For us, we, we kind of say the wisdom challenge is three simple things, is pursue, partner, and pass it on. And that's what it is. It's, it's hey, we're going to make a, a personal commitment to pursue wisdom every day by reading a proverb a day. The second thing is I'm not going to do it solo, isolated, which Christians love to do. <laughs> we love to be isolated, do our own little thing, our own little Bible study, staring at our own spiritual belly button, but instead we're going to share that with others. And so the partner with is that we're going to partner with others, the power of with, that's when Ron came in, and now that was double fold, the double blessing. And at the end of the month, he challenged me. He goes, hey, so who are you going to do it next month with? And I'm like, with you? (laughs) I think it was so good. Like, let's do it all over again. He goes, no, 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 no. You got to find someone else. You got to pass it on. And I was like, okay, I'll pray about it. So the next day I said, hey, the Lord led my son, Eli, to be able to go through Proverbs together. And he was in high school at the time. And so Eli and I read through the book of Proverbs together, 31 days. And I'm telling you, Bill, like, this is the first time. And again, we have Bible studies. We go to church. We go to FCA camps. Like, our house is covered with Jesus. And it was the first time that I saw how Eli looked at Scripture on a daily basis. It gave me a window into his soul and suddenly, like, my faith, my relationship with Eli grew from simply doing the wisdom challenge with him. So, Dan, you're two for two right now. You've got this deep friendship with Ron, and you've got a, this new window of understanding with Eli. So you're, you're two for two at this point. Yeah, well, and it continued on. So then after <laughs> Eli, <laughs> I'm like, okay, who's next? And I'm praying about it. And the Lord led me to, to Andre. He's our, at the time, he was our Ukraine national director with FCA, nominal leader who I'm very close with. And I said, Andre, let's do this wisdom challenge. He's like, okay, let's do it. So for 31 days, obviously he's ahead of me, seven, eight hours, depending on the time zone. And uh, next thing you know, Andre and I are journeying through Proverbs together. God did the same thing with Andre and I. Like, it was like amazing. And he took it, started sharing it with his staff and his friends and his church. And that began to multiply throughout all of Ukraine. So are you three fi- for three. three for three. Now, are you finding fresh material with Andre or are you doing some recycling from Ron and Eli? Oh, you're the first person that's asked that question. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, you so, know, if you make this incredible discovery, I mean, to me, that's why you pass it on to the next person because you want to encourage them and uplift them. Yeah, I, I think. 
it's interesting. I, I would say just like you went through and you had three favorite proverbs you yep. pulled out. I would probably say out of the 31 chapters, after doing this dozens of times with dozens of different people, uh, there's my favorite verse of the chapter. And, and obviously you try to lean into that and you go, hey, I'll just share that one because that's one of my favorite. Sure. That's the one my dad taught me or my mom shared with me or I learned in high school. But I would say every time that I do that, Bill, it's like God reveals a new one. Like, for example, this morning, I'm going through Proverbs this month with Calvin, a friend here in Kansas City that I've known for 30 years back in Virginia. He moved back to Kansas City, and we're now reengaged, and we're going through Proverbs together. And there was a verse that popped up this morning. I'm like, that's my favorite verse for t- for this chapter. But <laughs> yeah. guess what? what? The, Lord re- the Lord revealed a different verse, and he challenged me. He's like, are you going to share old manna, or are you going to share fresh manna? Nice. And I was like, man, I, so guess what I did? I shared the fresh man. I was like, I'm not going to go back to the well. I'm going to share what God revealed to me about, hey, we, we determine our plans, but God determines our steps. And so we plan, God determines, like the sovereignty of God. That was my message that I shared with Calvin today. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, I love Proverbs. My little nephew who just graduated uh, from eighth grade, he went to a Christian school, and one of the um, prerequisites, if you start in first grade, is by the end of eighth grade, you will have memorized the entire book of Proverbs. What? That is amazing. Yeah, and he can nail the whole thing. It's frightening. So I digress. I'm talking about my my nephew's son right now. So let's let's get back to your book, you and and Ron's book. Um, Let's talk about the life of Solomon. Um, how do we, how do we sum this up? Well, Pretty, it's hard to sum up, right? It is, but I mean, wild. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's interesting. Solomon, who is known as Mister Wisdom, wasn't too wise in how he lived. I mean, you know, with the what six hundred wives, thousand wives, six hundred concubines. Like he he didn't live. It feels like at times you look at his life more failure than success, but yet he's known as the guy that prayed the prayer and didn't ask for the riches, didn't ask for glory, didn't ask for power, but actually prayed for understanding of heart. Actually, it says in the scripture that he prayed that God will grant him understanding of heart. So the simplicity of praying that prayer, which I think sometimes we we need to pray that on a daily basis, God, give me understanding of heart, give me the wisdom. And James spelled it out right very clear that we shouldn't even ask, like, we shouldn't, we should ask generously, and God gives generously. Like, he won't just give you a little bit, but if we pray, we ask God of the universe for wisdom, he'll give back generously. And I think the biggest problem, here Solomon maybe didn't put a lot of wisdom into practice, is here we as followers of Christ and believers, we read Proverbs, which is mostly written by Solomon, we go to the source and we say, this is not about knowledge or just information. It's about application. And I believe wisdom is only wisdom if it's infused into relationships. So in our book, we talk about, Ron and I talk about wisdom minus relationships equals nothing. Wisdom plus relationships equals impact or influence. And Bill, if, if wisdom is not infused and integrated into relationships, it's not a zero. It has to be in the context of relationships of how we live that out. And I believe that's where we, as we pursue 
Solomon's writing in Proverbs, we need to have that application and stretch us beyond our comfort zone so that we might grow in our faith. All right, Dan, I'm going to take a little break. You've got three adult children, two sons-in-laws, so that means you had the wisdom to save for weddings as father of the bride. Yes. <laughs> She's, we, we, so actually, in our third one, our son got married uh, this past September okay. to a COVID wedding. And uh, so we got all three kids married and graduated in five years. Come on. <laughs> you have my That's ad- wisdom. You That's have, wisdom. Yeah, it is wisdom. You have my admiration. Let me take a break. Dan Britton's our guest, and he's co-written a book uh, called The Wisdom Challenge, Life-Changing Principles and Lessons from Proverbs and the Life of King Solomon. We'll be right back. listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. back with Dan Britton. He serves as the field chief officer with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and he, along with Ron Forseth, has written a great book called The Wisdom Challenge, Life-Changing Principles and Lessons from Proverbs in the Life of King Solomon. Uh, Dan, I'd love to get back to some of these guidelines that you have in the book, uh, the, the three elements of the Wisdom Challenge, which is pursue, partner, and pass it on. I just want to ask you about the pursue part. Does that mean that we should be looking for people to do this challenge with? Yeah, we we actually, uh, on our website, we just created an action plan that uh, you can download that talks about just trying to begin to make a list of those people God has put on your heart that you believe you can enter into a relationship to say, hey, I want, I want to go through Proverbs together. And I'm telling you, Bill, like I, I've done this dozens and dozens of times. Ron has done it longer than I have. He's done it hundreds of times. And the thing that I've experienced is nobody ever says no. Like no one says, I, I don't want more wisdom. I don't want to journey <laughs> with you through proper. It's like, it's like almost when is anyone going, Hey, I'd like to pray for you. And they go, no, I don't want prayer. Don't pray for me. You know, yeah. Hey, I, Hey, do you want to pursue wisdom? No, I, I just choose not to pursue wisdom. Thank you very much. Go find someone else. Every person that I've asked, and said, absolutely, thank you for the invitation. Mm-hmm. So we believe, we believe, Bill, that it's, it's an invitation to wisdom. And it's not really about, hey, doing it with me. It's so much as I'm inviting you into this journey to grow in wisdom. What do you say? Yeah. And everybody says yes. Like, like let's go. Yeah. Dan, why does God put such incredible value on wisdom? Well, it, it's interesting. I, in, in the book, we talk about the wisdom promise. And the wisdom promise, another way to say it is the nothing promise, because twice in Proverbs, both in Proverbs 3, verse 15, and then later on in Proverbs eight eleven, it literally says there's nothing more value. There's nothing more valuable than wisdom. All the rubies, all the jewels, all the riches in the world, there is nothing that tops wisdom. 
And so twice the nothing promise or the wisdom promise says there is nothing that can come even close. It's not even a close second to wisdom. And, and we believe that if, if we value wisdom, if we look at wisdom in that light, then we're, we're going we're gonna to pursue it every day. Like we're going to, and not only, and Bill, not only pursue it, but we're going to share it. We're going to multiply wisdom by creating a wisdom tree, wisdom legacy, by sharing it with other people. And why would you not want to do that? Totally. Yeah, that's right on. So, Dan, I know it's important to have a, a very healthy fear of the Lord, but having that can lead to wisdom, right? Yeah. You know, throughout the entire Proverbs, one thing that a lot of people like to pass over is the beginning of wisdom starts where? With the fear of the Lord. Right. Like, it, 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 it's plain, it's stated, Solomon mentions it over and over again. It's simply the fear of the Lord. And we kind of, I would say we watered that down a little bit, and we don't really address it. We kind of go, oh, well, you know, that was back then, or, hey, I'm best friends with Jesus, and, you know, you can't fear your best friend. And I think we miss the, the, the relevance and the power and the magnitude when Solomon says wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, Phil, how you grew up, but, man, my dad graduated from the Naval Academy. <laughs> I had two older brothers. And when my dad implemented his discipline, whew, it was <laughs> fear, the fear of dad, right? Like right. the fear of dad. And his boundaries were, were solid and, and, and clear. And we knew that, hey, we could operate within these boundaries. But, man, if we stepped outside that boundaries, there was a price to be paid. Right. There was a healthy and full understanding of the fear of my dad, Ed Britton, right? Now, we knew he did that because he loved us, not because he wanted to take something from us. And when we operated within those boundaries and we obeyed what he laid out as the family guidelines, we had full life. We had the abundance and the joy to operate within that. Well, in the same way that I did that with our kids, same way with our relationship with God the Father, that he has very clear boundaries. There's a fear of the Lord that we step outside of boundaries. He disciplines those he loves. And we need to operate within those boundaries. And when we do, we experience the abundant life, John 10, 10 says, the full life, the extra large life, that we can operate within those boundaries. But let's not diminish or water down what it means to have a healthy understanding of the fear of God. Mm -hmm. Dan, on the cover of your book, The Wisdom Challenge, is a picture of a tree. So maybe you would talk about that. Does that have a significance? What is a, what is a wisdom tree? Well, we, we have a full chapter on the wisdom tree, and we talk about the last part about pass it on, that when you pass it on, you're planting another tree. And I remember when I was doing some reading and, and I found this, this concept that they said, hey, the true fruit of an apple tree is not more apples. It's another tree. Mm. And I went, I had to like, go, whoa, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like that, that is a huge spiritual concept that it's not about producing more fruit. It's about producing other trees. And so the wisdom tree concept it's simply that I want to plant other trees, not just put more fruit on my tree. Mm -hmm. And we know that when we're passing on wisdom, Bill, 
that actually the true fruit isn't more fruit on my tree, but my fruit is growing on other people's tree. Like, imagine that, like my investment into other people that I'm discipling, I'm developing through the wisdom challenge or other tools and resources and concepts. And we're making disciple makers that our fruit is actually growing on other people's tree. And then they're actually planting other trees. Now that continues on for wisdom's legacy. Mm-hmm. So as we talk about wisdom, I, I have to backtrack in my head a little bit and think that are you taking knowledge and then applying knowledge? And that is in fact wisdom. I'm, yeah, just, I, I'm just thinking out loud here, Dan. So help me. You can, you can yeah, disagree yeah. with me all you want. No, no, I, I like it because <clears throat> again, it has to have, has to have application. And I think there's probably a million definitions of wisdom, right? We, you can look up your favorite teacher, your favorite pastor, your favorite writer, and come up with a million different definitions of, of wisdom. For me, when I read Chuck Swindoll, who I listen to his podcast all the time, love his books, love the way he teaches, amazing man of God, finishing strong to the very end. So many people are crashing and burning these days, and yet he's, he's on the straight and narrow. And Chuck Swindoll says, wisdom is simply seeing things as God sees them. And like I'm like, that is a clean, simple definition, is, is if I can put the filter, the God filter on, so everything that I see, everything that I do runs through like, hey, approaching as if God would enter into this situation, that's wisdom. And I believe that's a great definition of wisdom for us as we step in and go, okay, it's not just knowing, but it's knowing and doing. It's putting that into action Again, it's going back to infusing it into relationships so that we can be able to understand God's intention and purpose for our life. So, Dan, we just have 90 <clears throat> seconds left. Tell listeners about uh, the Wisdom Challenge. How do, they, how do they do it? How do they get access to it? Well, it's, it's, well, you don't have to buy the book to do it, but we'd love for you to buy the book to, to, to do it. We think it's a great tool to pass it on to someone, encourage someone. It takes 45 minutes to read. It's a short seven chapter book at the end we have a, uh, a little journal section but build you can go to wisdomchallenge.com it's a great website that we've created that has actually you could actually start your own wisdom tree you could put people's names in it and begin to see how god's using your legacy and your influence to multiply wisdom we have action plans we have videos there's so much there on the website that you can be able to begin to journey but i would say this bill it's not about the book it's not about the website it's simply making a commitment saying, I want to pursue wisdom daily. I'm going to choose to partner with someone, maybe a spouse, maybe a child, maybe a family member, maybe a coworker, and then be able to pass it on. That's I, it. Pursue, I, partner, pass it on. I love it. Stop taking calls. We have a winner. Thank you so much, Dan Britton. Thank you. Thank you, Bill, <laughs> for having me on. It's been a delight uh, talking to you. Thank you for your book. The book is called The Wisdom Challenge, Life-Changing Principles and Lessons from Proverbs and the Life of King Solomon. Take a short break, and we'll be right back with lots more. listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. 
faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. I think it's about time we get a real have a real honest discussion about retirement because I think a lot of people, our culture for sure, views retirement through that financial lens. And we're as believers, that's uh that's not the the lens we should be looking through. Uh the retirement dream that we get that we get sold uh convinces us to accept and it's just the wrong dream. So we're going to talk to Joel Malik today. He's written a book called After Work and it's an honest discussion about the retirement lie and how to live a future worthy of dreams, which I love the title and I love the book. Joel, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Bill. Yeah. So I know you wrote this with Alex Lippert and uh, it is such an important topic and I know many listeners are either retired or moving towards retirement and it's how are we going to figure out how to make the most for the Lord and the kingdom? Because everybody talks about retirement money. Do we have enough money to retire? And is that where we should right. start? <laughs> yeah, well, it, you might, might be surprised to learn that, you know, by trade, I'm a financial advisor. So, you know, it for me, I, I'm not trying to downplay the importance of that. But what what got Alex and I, you know, excited to write the book or I guess – a better way to explain is we really felt called to write it was, you know, we saw our clients, which, you know, a lot of them are believers, you know, so, so being a believer doesn't mean uh, that you automatically get a fulfilling retirement. That's true. Um, and we would see them just, you know, they would come into our office a couple years into retirement and they would just, they would almost be depressed. You know, I mean, they'd be feeling down, they'd be feeling less useful and some of these people were so talented, Bill, um, you know, and, and maybe the roles they served in during their working years or raising their families at home. I mean, and they were thriving back then. But part of the issue, I think, uh, obviously, when we unpack a number of these concepts in the book, but part of the issue, and we talk about the retirement lie right on the book cover. Mm-hmm. And, and this is important because people think that they're automatically going to love retirement without working at it. You know, it's kind of like marriage. You know, you're 19 years old, right? You're 22 <laughs> years old. You're 20, and you think marriage is a piece of cake, you know, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be all honeymoon and bliss. And um, and obviously it's not, you know, and and that doesn't make marriage bad. It, marriage is a very good thing, just like retirement is a very good thing. But when approached the wrong way, it can really leave us feeling empty. Mm-hmm. What yeah. uh, What do you mean by the sugar rush of retirement? Interesting yeah. couple of words. Yeah, yeah. The sugar rush is a real thing, and it does actually happen. Um, and it pretty much happens to everybody. So it's not like only some people get the sugar rush and some don't. The sugar rush is like that first week. Uh, to six months where you don't have to wake up to an alarm. You don't have anywhere to be. You don't have a report to turn in for anyone. You don't, you get to wake up and enjoy the extra long cup of coffee. And, and maybe it's a nice day and you get out in the lawn and you do some, and you start checking off the honeydews and it's like, man, I could get used to this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that goes on for a long period of time. Some people it goes on for a couple of years. So it's not necessarily a, a fit timeline, but it's this like euphoric moment. I, I, again, if we're looking at the, let's look at the marriage analogy, you know, 
the honeymoon season is very different than like the next 30 years. And part of the problem with the sugar rush is that we tell people it is a season to be enjoyed and you should embrace it for what it is, which it it's this period of time where you're almost like on a Sabbath, you know, you're like on extend, extended sabbatical, you know, and it's like, man, I, this is fantastic. And it is meant to be enjoyed. But then one day you wake up and, and it's, winter outside and it's not very nice out and it's cloudy. I know up in uh, Minneapolis, you don't guys don't get any of that. No, nah, not here. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you can't get outside. You can't do it all of a sudden, you know, uh, there's not a whole lot of expected of you and it begins to just sink in. And uh, that's when we find people coming back to us saying, I think I'm just going to go get a job. So wow. that the easy button is most people say, I'm just going to go back to work because this whole retirement thing, this lie that I bought uh, really isn't true. And, you know, I mentioned in the beginning how this season can be really fruitful if it's approached the right way. And the right way to approach it is not thinking that a permanent vacation is going to make you happy. You know, this idea that retirement is going to be all about me. I've, I've put in my time. I've, I've leaned into serving my family or serving my business, and now I need some me time. You know, and there may be some truth to that, and that's why I think this idea of taking some time off, hitting pause, and then deciding what's next is is really useful. But you can't live in the meism, you know, for thirty years and find fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And so, what the book's aimed at, Bill, is it aimed at helping people. Okay, it's great that you got the financial side right. Good. You need to be a good steward of what's entrusted to you. We don't need to not talk about the financial side, but we need to spend as much time accumulating these other mindsets and behaviors that are going to really carry us through this fulfilling retirement. Okay. Well, Joel, let's talk a little bit about the financial planning side because I find that fascinating, of course. But So in yep. your work in financial planning, what, what kind of regrets do do people often express? Yeah, I think a, a real common one for us is um, they felt like, you know, the the second home in the mountains or the the property over in Arizona or, you know, whatever it, it is for people, they tend to find that they got much more fulfillment and benefit from the experiences and not the stuff. So I think that's one good takeaway for everyone is, you know, we, we try, like we have this conversation a lot. I'll boil it down to like one very simple type of conversation. Um, hey, you know, should I buy that place? You know, I know for you guys it might be like, hey, we want to get the lake house for the summer, you know, or, or that type of mm-hmm. thing. And here in Colorado where I live, Bill, it's it's everyone wants like the ski mountain home. Sure. You know, and so whatever it is, um, it is. It always leaves them disappointed, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. It, and so it's like, man, I, I feel like it's turned into a bunch of upkeep, and we don't use it as much as we thought. We thought it'd be this nice, dreamy thing, and <laughs> it's really just turned into a big old headache, you know, and not to mention it's expensive. Right. Um, you know, I always counsel people. I'm like, man, spend your time on new experiences. You know, take the grandkids on a fun trip to Florida or, or wherever or rent or rent a, a lake house for a couple weeks, 
you know, and then drop the headache of having to maintain it, you know, and, and you'll find that you actually spend less money and you get new experiences more that way. So that's just kind of one example. Mm-hmm. I watched a friend of mine who recently re, uh, retired and there's a, there's a certain tension when he was working that really uh, worked to his advantage. So he really had to work hard and get his meetings done because he had a two two ten tea time, right? Right. Now that yeah. you're retired and you can make a tea time anytime you want, golf isn't quite as much fun just because you're not racing to get to the course and get all your work done. So that with that tension gone, um, just staying busy in retirement isn't really not the best strategy, is it? No, no. And being busy is not being meaningful. And so we we unpack in the book. Um, you know, we've got plenty of retired clients who are so busy they can't even come in to see us uh-huh. for an investment review. And they're not busy with anything in particular. You know, it's like, oh, I got this doctor appointment at this time, and then I'm going to play cards, and then I'm going to go play some pickleball. And it's like, okay, you know, Ernest Hemingway has this this great quote in his book, The Sun Also Rises, where his two characters are talking, and they're having a conversation with one another. And one asks, you know, how did you go bankrupt? And he responds, and he says, uh, two ways, actually, gradually and then suddenly. <laughs> and and what I find in retirement is this a very true quote because people are filling their lives with things that are busy. And there's your gradualness, right? Think of it like spending on a credit card. You're spending on the credit card every day. It doesn't feel like a lot, but then the bill comes due. Right. You know, it's like, holy cow, how did I spend 10 grand in a month? You know, um, and in retirement's the same way. We have to be super careful of how we're spending our hours in our days. We have to be intentional to make sure they're aligning with this, this, I call it like the end of life conversation. I try not to get too morbid with it, but you know, we're all going to face this moment someday where we're going to hopefully have a moment to reflect and I don't think we're going to say things like, I wish I'd have just played some more pickleball. Right, right. It, it doesn't make pickleball bad. I love golf. I love pickleball. I'm all in favor of everyone doing those things. But what we're we're calling people to in the book is kind of a higher level of interaction with society. You know, like when I go play that round of golf, can I maybe take a friend of mine that I know, you know, his son's really struggling with drug addiction? You know, or I know they just they lost, you know, a child or something, like, you know, and I'm 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 kind of like working in my mission or my calling into my round of golf. Nice. You know, and so it's like this idea that you, you have this bigger purpose outside of the activities that you do. Um, and you're sort of on mission, whether you are super active, you're traveling or you're in a nursing home. You're right. Um, you know, it doesn't mean your life's over when you go to the assisted living facility. Yeah, so um, and, and, I just hear yeah. you, Joel, saying it's important to be intentional. So uh, enjoy your yeah. round of golf, but keep keep your antenna up because there's probably someone that you could invite into that round that you could do some real significant ministry with. Exactly. You know, people are hurting all around us, and we we kind of intuitively know that. But I think as as human beings, we try to not get in the mess, you know, because we just sort of want – to take care of ourselves and we want to be okay. You know, we don't want to go over to Bob and say, Bob, look, I know it's a little awkward, but like, I, it looks like you're struggling, mm-hmm. you know, or something I can do. Where's there a way I can help? Like, let's go play around a golf, man. Let's go do lunch. Let's go, you know, but, but there's a big difference between asking Bob to do that 
with an intention of helping Bob unpack some of these things in life, as opposed to just going out and trying to break 80. Right, right. You know, so. Joel, let me take a little break. Joel Malik is my guest. He's written a book called After Work, uh, an honest discussion about the retirement lie and how to live a future worthy of dreams. You encourage uh, people not to burn energy on things they can't control. I want to talk about that when we come back. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome back to the show. Joel Malik is my guest. He's a partner with Steadfast Wealth Company in Colorado Springs. He joined the financial services industry in 2001, graduated with a degree in finance from Seattle Pacific. He's married with six kids. You know a lot about planning, don't you, Joel? (laughs) Yeah, we just got back from a trip to Glacier National Park. We did 2,300 miles. So how's that for a big plan? (laughs) That's incredible. All right. Now, you you encourage people in your book not to burn energy on things they can't control. Like what? Yeah, I mean, I, I see this all the time in the the business that I'm in, and and the most common one I see is this idea that when people retire, they now have more time to focus on their investments. And uh, this is a big big no no from my perspective because. You know, I tell people, uh, the more you check it, the more it's going to own you. Mm. Um, and so I've got clients that it's on their app. You know, if, if, if the day's green, then they're happy. And if it's red, then they're, they're kind of somber. And, and it, it's kind of funny because it obviously any one day doesn't change, you know, what you're going to achieve over 10 years. Um, so why let it affect you? And it does affect us. And, I'm an advisor. I do this for a living, and I have investments myself, and I only check them one one time per year. Really? And that's a, that's a habit I had to learn. Wow. Um, and it's not easy to do, but it is life-changing. It's like, let's just say it's life-giving, <laughs> um, you know, because your result in your investment portfolio is going to be what it is over the course of the year, no matter how many times you check it, Bill. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. You know, really interesting. And you make you just make yourself miserable along the way, basically. Yeah. The nut, the end result is you're pre- predominantly checking it when things are not going well. Right. You know, and so you put you set, just set yourself up. And so what I tell people is I say, you know, don't focus on that. You know, uh, implement some of these behaviors and do things like we we have this section of the book called called you know make morning strategic. You know, where it's not about getting up and, you know, checking your maybe how your stocks are doing or or don't hop on Facebook. Don't get right on email. You know, let's spend some time on our health, maybe some journaling, maybe some devotional time, you know, and maybe something creative that you love to do. Sure. Perhaps, Bill, you, you, I know uh, you're into comedy, you know, so maybe it's developing some new content. Um, you know, I have plenty of clients that are into art or writing you know, the mornings are the best time to get that creativity out. Yeah. New content um, would be too and, much work, but I get your point. <laughs> you know, and that's the moment where you're not setting the stage for this. Oh, you know, the market's down 2% today. Oh, I just feel like the sense of fear now and stress. And, 
Instead, you're you're really setting the stage for a a very successful day by getting started off on the right foot. So, I see clients all the time spending their time worrying, you know. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, obviously the Bible has a lot to say about that. Is you know, what can a man add to his life by right. by worrying about today? Well, nothing. Yeah. Joel, no, is the answer. Yeah, Joel, your book, After Work, which is an honest discussion about the retirement lie and how to live a future worthy of dreams, it highlights 10 vital keys to consider for retirement. Maybe you can just give us a couple of those. Yeah. So I tell people in and of themselves, you know, they're not necessarily rocket science, but there are observations that I've had over the last 20 years in working with people people who have done this really well and people who have really struggled. So there are more observations of, of things we need to focus on. Uh, a couple of them, you know, I'll give you two. Uh, the one I get a lot of comments on is the journaling chapter. Um, and I get comments from, oh, I love that. What an impact to, I am never going to journal no matter what you say. <laughs> so, Mm-hmm. And I, I give a lot of reasons as to, one, how you should journal and and why it can easily fit into 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes, and the long-term impacts for the retiree in particular. I journal. Um, I'm a journaler. I'm not retired, and I get lots of benefits out of it. So I think everyone should, but I think the retiree in particular should journal. And the reason I think that is retirees, they need, they're going to feel like they're not achieving much of anything. You know, once we get past the retirement sugar rush bill and we get into this season where it's like, who am I? Why am I here? What, what is my calling? All these bigger life questions and they're going to start feeling less useful. The journal is going to help them see how much more they're achieving throughout a year than they remember. Wow. Okay, so we go into some stuff there on how to do that. And then the other one is is a practice you can take with you anywhere, no matter what you're doing, and it's the practice of awe. Um, and I think it's something that, you know, we take for granted the things we're grateful for, the world around us. And if we carry around this idea of awe and we help people try to understand how to do that, it's amazing how much it lifts your mood throughout the day. And if And if your mood is lifted, uh, you are much more impactful to those around you. Joel, you're kind of answering my next question because I was going to say, what about the listeners that don't have two nickels to rub together and they're living on assistance and they're, they just don't have any resources. They don't have a, a retirement portfolio and, and they're going to have to uh, not have much, many resources going into their retirement mm-hmm. years. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Um, our book is intentionally not written towards uh, the wealthy people in our society. Okay, That's um, good to know. sure, it's going it's going to help them absolutely, but we wanted to keep it agnostic because we find that, and I work with a lot of missionaries um, who have been overseas for twenty five, thirty years, serving in mission fields, and they move back to the U.S. after their ministry and. Not that their ministry is over, but it's taken on a different different form now, and they they don't have a ton of money saved. Um, but man, are they uh, finding fulfillment? You know, and and it. I will tell you this, Bill, and I I just know from experience is that your level of fulfillment is not driven by the amount of money you have saved. Agree. 
And uh, I've got, you know, retired missionaries who have a fifth of what some of my, you know, more average clients might have, and they are making an impact. They're still, you know, doing all the things you and I do, going out to dinner occasionally, you know, making meals at home. They have a house. They, I mean, they're, they're just making an impact. Right. Right. You know, the advantage they have is they spent 30 years learning how to do that overseas. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so, so they're well trained. In, in fact, I would say they're probably better suited for retirement. Yeah. Than my the average person that has lived here in the U.S. all their life. But, and I, I would imagine Joel, these missionaries are highly relational people. Uh, so maybe you would talk about the impact of loneliness. Yeah, loneliness in our book. I mean, we give some statistics that are just shocking. I don't know if you knew this, but um, divorce, the rate of divorce in, in America is generally leveled off, except for those over age 55. Those over age 55, it's doubled. And those over age 65, it's actually tripled. Um, and then the rate of suicide actually is growing the fastest amongst those over age 50. We tend to think it's like the teenagers, you know, wow, at school. Yeah. And granted, that, that is a problem around here where I live. But, you know, it doesn't get the headline when someone in retirement, you know, unfortunately decides to do something like that. Um, and the the problem is, Bill, is that the the uselessness and the loneliness is a real disease. Uh, and you take and you put on top of that like a COVID type, you know, lockdown situation. And I think we've got for ourselves a, a pretty serious pandemic. And if you look at yourself as sort of on the bigger calling, sort of on mission in retirement, you have a purpose no matter whether you're working or not. Um, it really helps combat the loneliness uh, that we find. We talk a little bit about the, in the book, you know, how to uh, structure your day. We actually have a chapter in the book called Calendar. Um, you know, it's very pragmatic. Mm -hmm. You know, how to structure the day and 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 what it should look like. And yeah, so I mean, we're just we want to help. We want to see people thrive. Amen. Joel, you also you talk know, about lifelong learning, which I love, by the way. Uh, talk about yeah. that a little bit. You say that's a cornerstone habit. Say more. Yeah, cornerstone habits are the, are just the best. And what we mean by cornerstone habit is a term we came up with uh, because a cornerstone of a structure supports not only the corner, but it supports everything else in the structure. And And that's a great way to think about a cornerstone habit because learning is an amazing habit. And it's not just for people who are 22 years old. You know, um, we find that people that take on a new learning endeavor in retirement get so many other benefits outside of learning the one thing they're studying. Um, you know, they get additional relationships they might build, expertises they might gain. They might find that they end up wanting to teach in that thing that they learned. You know, we have a retired uh, uh, individual that we mentioned in the book who was great at math. And when he quit his job, he went in and he started teaching math to uh, inner city uh, children. And not only was he helping them in their grades, but he really became a mentor to them. Yeah. And so he was helping them in life as well. He said that he got so much more fulfillment in his life after work than he actually did in his entire career. Those are such encouraging stories. Uh, I know you probably, having worked with so many people doing their financial planning, you 
you've got some incredible examples of people who are doing retirement really well and serving the kingdom and yeah. making a big difference in the world in their in their latter years. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'm just having a lot of fun with this. I mean, I feel like people ask me, like, oh, when's your next one come out? I'm like, never. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Because when God called me to do it, I was like, really? You know, like I never thought I would write a book, but I, I felt like you put something on my heart is that this should be your greatest season yet. This shouldn't be like riding off into the sunset. I've had my time on the stage of life. You know, my favorite is when people get asked at a party, what did you used to do? It's like, I don't want to be a what did I used to do? Yeah, right. You know, I want to be a who are you? What are you doing now? You know, what kind of impact are you making? And uh, what I'll leave you with, too, and I don't know how much more time we have, but I just want to say um, this is a – it's meant to be different. It's not meant to be the same thing when you're working, but it's not meant to be a disappointment. And if you approach it right, boy, can it be fulfilling. Amen. Joel, thank you so much yeah. for taking the time to uh, be on the show today. Uh, fascinating conversation. I know I got a lot out of it, so I appreciate uh, your work on – the book After Work, An Honest Discussion About the Retirement Lie and How to Live a Future Worthy of Dreams. Joel Malik has been my guest. Thank you again, Joel. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate yep, your time. You we'll take a little break, and we'll be right back with lots more. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.